This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Welcome to Foundation Podcast, the officially unofficial podcast for Foundation on Apple TV+. Plus. This week, we're covering Season 1, Episode 8, The Missing Piece. Respect and enjoy the podcast. All right, Aaron, we're here to talk about episode eight. I hear that this might just be one of the creator's favorite episodes. What do you think? Yeah, that's what he said. Uh, I, I, I thought it was incredible. I got fully sucked in. Um, the Empire's a bad motherfucker. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Don't know if I'm on Team Empire anymore. <laughs> uh, it. I mean, it's it's great. Some of the stuff involving, you know, uh, Miller, I think, is the the lady that plays uh, uh, Zephyr Halima, and Bryn, who plays Demerzel and Pace Lee Pace. Uh, of course, Empire is just just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, and like twist inside of a twist inside of a twist. Like you know, uh, after the Empire achieves total victory, he then does his you know fucking end zone dance. I don't know if that'll get him in trouble, but like it's. I just thought that stuff was great, great, and, and it kind of blew me away. And like how I, I kind of thought, like you know, maybe the Empire is going to like work himself up to an actual spiritual relevate revelation, and you know, experience some growth in terms of a human being. Nope, nope. Yeah. <laughs> he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it. Um, it's. I thought that stuff was really great. Uh, I thought the you know spooky haunted spaceship stuff uh was cool. Um, you know, I was gratified to see Hugo did exactly what I thought he'd do. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, it, it, it does seem, it does seem like Jason Concepcion and David S. Goyer were both struck by precognition in last week's podcast because they definitely got a couple pages of the scripts, uh, messed up as we talked about in the feedback episode, but none of that really like spoiled, you know, uh, me, uh, you know, in terms Uh of like what the second empire is like. You know, second foundation. uh, I'm sorry, second foundation. I I still think it's fairly mysterious, and Uh like that podcast didn't really spoil. So, like, no harm, no foul. And they Um, they twist it up again, right? It's like, okay, well, yeah, we think there's a second foundation, but Gail's apparently not interested in being a part of it. So that's wild. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm letting go of any preconceptions of how they're going to tell the story because I, I again, I keep on looking for like, OK, well, you've twisted sh- uh, the story into this shape, but I can still see, mm-hmm. you know, how things are translated. But like, yeah, Gail getting into thing like I kept on waiting, like I, as the water filled up, I thought she's going to be like, wait, and then do something else like take me to Trantor instead or take me. But like. You know, if if time is a character, I feel like it's definitely taken a backstage these last few episodes. Um, yeah. with a little bit of, you know, a, a brief appearance, a cameo and like a flashback here or there. It feels like time is about to reassert itself uh, to the tune of about 137 <laughs> years or so. Dude. Because I, or or may, maybe we're just done with Gale for this season. We don't see her back until next year. I I'm I'm kind of stunned by the confidence in in the storytelling there. Um, and maybe I, I, I'm, I just can't wait to see where it goes. It, 
I might be a little impatient or something for them to tell this story because the most exciting thing to me is that time jump that's inevitable. When when Gail gets in and it tells her how long, a hundred plus years to get to to Synax, I'm like, okay, awesome. We're gonna jump another hundred plus years into the future. We still get a lot of the characters that we know and love, right? I mean, uh, Hugo is probably still going to be alive. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm sure we're going to get a bunch of flashbacks, right? I don't think we're leaving Salvor just out in the middle of space. Obviously, we're going to be jumping mm-hmm. between the time periods, but I want to see the future. I want to see what's going to happen with Foundation and Empire. I think we'll get there. I think we've got to resolve the ship uh, in orbit of Terminus. Uh, mm-hmm. We got to. Oh well, yeah, we, since we have to, to get through the first. Yeah, we have to get through the first crisis. I'm just itching because um, I I like I know, where I this know. goes and I want to see it play out. So yeah, I'm just I, I'm I'm very excited to see, like you said, where where everything goes mm-hmm. um, because it's 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 hard to fathom and also like one of those things where like man, did Harry really? account for all of these things and his variables or are we just in free fall like what is going to be the thing that reasserts itself if if the second foundation was the brakes on the crazy train there are no brakes man <laughs> so yeah. yeah i'm i'm very very curious to see uh where where stuff goes mm-hmm. um briefly before we get into the recap here let's talk a little bit about the title of this episode because i think this is one of those really good titles that has multiple meanings in an episode full of pretty eventful stuff um, and pretty meaningful stuff. I think the missing mm-hmm. piece could refer to a lot of things. I think it could refer to Gail uh, being a missing piece for the second foundation. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, now that Harry's plan is kind of shot. Um, I think the more poignant thing here, the more interesting thing. Well, actually just as interesting is that uh, empire Seems to have a missing piece. Could it be the soul is the missing piece? That's a good point. Cause I, I, I had, I was racking my brain and I came up with like, yeah, Gail, obviously there's a puzzle there and she just took her, her piece off the board and it's, it's gone now. But yeah, like the something missing, something rotten in the empire soul. That's yeah. Uh, when she calls a, him empty good, uh, and he yeah. like is really worried about that at the end of this episode, uh, like genuinely affected by that lack of experience. Uh, interesting yeah. and then I, the missing piece of the jump ship here being uh, Salvor I think is the, the other thing the navigator right although I have um, an interesting theory take on on that I don't know if it's okay. like that interesting but um, yeah no those are those are all good those are all good uh, suggestions on what the missing piece was I do think if I'm going to anticipate some criticism of this episode um, I think that there's going to be people complaining about, you know, what is this deal about jacking into a neural interface without a neural interface? And what's this? The, and I mean, I don't know, man. What, what do you, do you have any criticism for people to like this? I thought this was going to be super hard sci-fi. And now mm. I have a bunch of just like, you know, this, this vague allusions to this, that, and the other. I mean, um, any sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from go. magic. I mean, it's it's that's it, right? We're thousands, ten uh, over ten thousand years in the future. You think you're going to recognize like they're going to have iPhones? I I don't think so. Right. Like this technology, they they explained it pretty well. I thought in the episode, like the AI that's built into this machine 
seeks out the patterns um, when it's looking for a navigator. And yeah, you could do that with a neural interface and plant it into the, the navigator, but you might not have to. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And then like it would do so in like a, a destructive. Yeah, that's the thing. It's a trade off. It's not like, oh, you just get this thing for free. Like this is probably going to kill the, the recipient of it. Um, sure. so, and that's that's exactly like, yeah, it's like, I mean, I, I just thought things is funny. It's like, yeah, it's a little there's a little science fantasy in this. But every far flung science fiction eventually gets to that point where there is no way you can explain you know, faster than light travel. There's exactly, no way yeah. you can explain thing. You know, like we don't have nano nights that work to this ability that you can slice and it get heals mm-hmm. in real time and things like that. Transporters so from like, Star Trek are pure fiction as best we can tell. Uh, especially the way they're used. where They're mm-hmm. like, it's a, like, Hey, what if it clones somebody? Fuck it. Why not? You know, like, but that, what, that's what allows you to tell interesting stories. And that's what allows, you know, that's, that's the reason that, uh, you know, that that's what sets science fiction apart from any other type of fiction. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I don't like, I, I, I think that, uh, you know, if your suspension of disbelief is, ever fails, then, you know, that we've talked about this before. It's like, that's not a gradual process. It's usually like, uh, you know, a shield helicarrier. It's it's powering through the sky and it's got all four fans driving it and it loses one. It can still keep going. Sure. But it but it loses two and it just cra- it's not like it just it, it's it's not like a, a slow thing. It's usually like once that suspension is destroyed, you crash. Mm-hmm. Um, so like if that's happened to you, I, that's fine. But like it certainly okay. hasn't happened to me. And with the technology in this show, it's like. I think we have to get used to a little bit of MacGuffinish type stuff because it just there's just no way you can explain some mm-hmm. of these some of these things um, uh, sufficiently to satisfy you know it's like oh I have a neurosurgeon in here and they can tell us exactly how this is not it's just not going to happen so yeah. is the story yeah. good is the story compelling is the story storytelling something interesting about the human condition mm-hmm. and about life as we experience here in the 21st century yes yes and yes I think so I'm still still fully engaged or. Uh, if you're me conceptually, are these ideas cool and can they be used for interesting storytelling hooks? Right. Like, like even just plot hooks it doesn't have to necessarily be emotional hooks. Um, cause yeah. I, I'm looking at this last scene, uh, where they're about to jump and all that and the, the neural interface. And I'm thinking, man, this is a perfect setup for a sci-fi horror movie, like mm-hmm. becoming part of this ship and jumping into unknown locations and like, all that stuff is just so ripe for really cool stuff. I think they might get into that with they the might. exo stuff, like yeah. some extra galactic horde that did feel. I don't know. It's just a, uh, the the week after Halloween and I got some residual spookiness, but like a message scrawled in blood about some kind of horror outside the galaxy. Mm-hmm. Maybe interesting. Maybe. Interesting. All guesses. But yeah, that could be cool. Okay. Let's take a quick break and we'll get into the recap. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we start off the recap with um, we're on Anacreon. I think it becomes pretty obvious. There are kids chasing each other in the forest. We figure out, oh, actually, these are probably uh, Farah and her brother. When bombs drop out of the sky, obliterate her brother and obliterate her the side of her face leaving all of her scars. And then we come back to current day, back to now in the parlance of the show. Uh, it's Farah telling Salver her story that God chose her to find the Invictus. Salver tries to point out the hypocrisy in her revenge mission, essentially, but Farah's too gone for that. And she tells Salvor that she's going to navigate this jump ship uh, to Terminus or, or sorry, to Trantor or everyone on Terminus will die, including her mother. I like that. You have no concept of revenge. Have you? Have you? Have, it's like you've never even seen the wrath of Khan, <laughs> uh, Salvor. From from hell's heart, I'm spitting at thee in the form of the Empire. Can, can I need you to get on board the, yeah. the revenge train here? <laughs> um, no, it's yeah because there is no logic to this. She's hurting and has hurt, and herself feels like she can never heal. So she wants other people to feel that pain. And to feel that 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 hatred and mm-hmm. damn the consequences like literally I don't give a I don't care about humanity. I don't care about any of that. I just want to hurt the empire. It's power, uh, powerful stuff. And um, I like this, especially when paired with the other scene with Rowan where she's trying to convince him not to go through with this uh, and, you know, appealing to future generations. Right. Think of all the Anacreons who aren't going to survive because you guys can't let this go. And that's the problem with anyone obsessed with the revenge. Like mm-hmm. it's it's the problem. Ahab's everywhere. Not everyone wants to get lashed to a fucking whale, you know. Sure. At the end, uh, even if the whale dies, like you know, not not everybody. Some people want to think about their future. You know, the mm-hmm. fact that uh, I, there's a great line where um, Salver is is talking to this this lieutenant and essentially says, you know, Sphera thinks she is the hand reaching out from Anacreon's grave, but Anacreon's not dead. Yeah. He's half dead. There's still mm-hmm. Anacreon children being born. There's still a future here. Yeah. Um, and she just can't see it. And she's getting in the way of it. And I thought that stuff was uh, resonant. Obviously, it uh, partially worked on the lieutenant. I don't know where this is all going right. to go because, um, it, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that, I guess, at the end of the episode. Um, but uh, it's, yeah. it was pretty good. Pretty good speechifying. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we go to Gail, who's explaining her powers of prediction to Harry and why she taught herself math in the first place. Harry worries that those powers could skew psychohistory and says that they have to reach Helicon to establish the second foundation. Dun, 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 this is the big reveal <laughs> that I think, yeah, uh, on the official podcast they thought happened this episode. Now there are a couple possibilities here right like they might have moved this episode uh, or this scene from the end of last episode because it's a basically a direct continuation of that scene with harry and gail from last episode um Mm -hmm. so they might have moved it to this episode last minute or something uh i feel like the reveal of the second foundation is a big moment and you would want to kind of end an episode with that but i guess they had more important things to end it with 
Yeah, I can see because like I um I guess there's the logical pacing and then there's also the visceral pacing. Yeah. And you had kind of like a natural cliffhanger with her catching that micrometeor like, oh, what the fuck? Um, whereas if you come back and in in that you're, you you have the logical cliffhanger of like, what is the second foundation? And then we'll mm-hmm. explain it. Not really explain it, but like give you a little bit more hints in the next episode. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's also like I imagine um, I, I imagine that they recorded all these podcasts in advance too. like I, I doubt that they're watching it as they release and then, you know, or the week before. And maybe they are. But mm-hmm. I, I can see how that stuff would get confusing, too. Um, yeah, the, the thing is, you know, edit it out of the podcast, right? Let's say you get there and you go, oh, we got to move this scene. Well, then you got to move that that quote, too, I think. Yeah, I do. I, do, I, I don't know. I don't know if I want to because I almost reached out to Jay, you know, because we've, we've talked. We've met in real life. Uh, I think we're friendly. I almost reached out and was like, yo, dude, what? <laughs> do you guys want to <laughs> edit the episode before, you know, it? Uh, oh, it's it's not a yeah it's like it's 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 not a big thing and uh also i don't i don't want to make it a bigger thing than it is but yeah it does feel mm-hmm. like maybe edit the the podcast um when when oh. there's a goof like that but. yeah yeah just take it out um yeah i don't want to dwell too much on that i I think this yeah. scene is cool though because it, it, like gail is taking harry is trying to like give fate the responsibility for teaching her math, right? And she's like, fuck that. Mm-hmm. I worked my ass off to solve that Abraxas equation, right? Like, uh, th- that wasn't that wasn't fate, like, putting math into my head. I spent years of my life, and, and my curiosity put that into my head. I, I feel like, they kept on- yeah, taking credit for that accomplishment and the hard work that it took to get there was kind of an awesome thing. Do you think that uh, it's indicative of something more? Because I, I kept on seeing Harry get wrong footed with like, yeah. you know, an inartful allusion to race and race being dead. And, you know, this like, you know, trying to assign fate to her hard work where she you know took offense to it. Do you think that this is indicative of this Harry construct being incomplete that, um, you know, because one thing I, they yeah. seem to establish in the first two episodes is just how persuasive and charismatic Harry is. Mm-hmm. Like he's the guy who can appeal to the emperor's face and do so good a job he does too well. He ends up talking himself out of execution. Uh, he's yeah. the guy that can go down to the laundry room and over an ink splotched shirt, uh, you know, uh, to, to rally the whole crew. Uh Mm-hmm. But here with Gale, he just uh, just keeps on putting his mouth uh, foot in his mouth. Do you think that is a little bit of his lost humanity or I, lost in translation? I think so. It's tough to tell, but I haven't seen any other signs. I haven't seen him like, you know, phasing out of reality or unable to control, you know, uh, what he looks like turning into a turtle or something. I haven't seen any of that. So, yeah, I would say these small these small uh, imperfections in the Harry simulation are probably what we're supposed to be catching. Especially since I think it pairs nicely with what's going on at the latest Cleon. You know, mm-hmm. those are small flaws, uh, errors in reproduction. Something went wrong in the transfer that seems like it's minor, but they're getting bigger and bigger. I wonder if they're playing with that because I don't I, I don't know if the ship makes it to Helicon at this point. It looks like it was in yeah. kind of rough shape. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know what what happens when a ghost ship shows up in orbit of of Helicon with like a half formed Harry Seldon hologram. I, 
yeah, I, like I said, I'm completely kind of off the map with, with where they end up at the end of this episode. But I, I do think there is some twin storytelling there, the, the, the flawed clone of, of Cleon and the flawed copy of Harry. Yeah, well, a lot of parallels in this show. Um, you know, Demerzel has a ton of them. Uh, we'll get more into that later. Sure. So Hugo kind of kind of shows up out of nowhere. I was a little surprised that they didn't give us more lead up to Hugo coming back. Um, and if I had like a yeah. flaw with the episode, that was maybe it. He seems not like a Deus Ex Machina, but but pretty close to it. You know, he he just is gone, and then now he's back. And there wasn't much fanfare. Um, he lands on this old mining station. He jacks into a comms array. And he sends a message to the Thespian Republic about the Anacreon activity in Outpost 59, which I guess is probably where he is. Um, and responses and oxygen are both in low supply. <laughs> I, I mean, Hugo's probably dead. Nah, I guess there's a whole bunch of Thespians there that can, can pick him up. Yeah, um, I assume they got him. But yeah. I feel what you what what you mean about that. But then I started thinking like, well, maybe this like again, I mean, you and I both got the the Hugo like, you know, they talk about the plan and then uh, the plan is executed and we just assume that that's what he's going to do. So, like, I guess I didn't need a lot of lead up, but I thought I thought that even the soundtrack was a little bit muted. Like there could have been a little bit of a note of triumph. There's a little bit when Mm -hmm. you, you know, you see this figure kind of come land on the asteroid and then it revealed as Hugo and there's a little bit like. But I, I don't know, because, again, it wasn't I, I felt like Hugo being lost was not treated like a big moment because it was part of the plan. It's like if someone is in a cell. Right. And they said, oh, my God, my f- friend's having a heart attack. That's when when a rev- when the guy gets up and punches the guard, they don't like reveal it as like, oh, look, this guy's back to life because mm-hmm. it's just part of the fucking plan, man. So maybe. That's but what, that's but they also don't set up, hey, if you fake a heart attack, you're done. You're gone, right? They did with right, you right. guys. Yeah, yeah. And they're usually that doesn't last multiple episodes. <laughs> I get all it, all I, get I probably it. would have needed is like when Hugo goes floating away, maybe a POV of him like looking at his oxygen meter or something, mm. right? Like that would have told me, hey, this this guy's not gone yet. Gotcha. Um, and and they he's also, thinking about something. I think they wanted to. So. I also think they're probably trying this. Some of that was uh, what do they call that? Uh, sucker bait, you know, that like uh, yeah. if, if anytime you put the anytime you put the main hero in jeopardy and you know he can't possibly <laughs> die. It's like, you know. Hmm. OK. Yeah, but, uh, you know, other than that, totally fine, totally cool. We knew he was coming back and I think he he, he kind of does exactly what we expected. Um, he goes and he calls in the reinforcements. I, I love how There's, he's using the Thespin language here and his original like Thespin name. I think so. Yeah. I think yeah. that's cool. Although uh, this name, the Sian and Eden, like it, 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 it sounds a lot like Garden of Eden. Uh, and I was uh, wondering, like, was that, is that his actual name or is that the location, like the ironic name of the place that he's calling the support? I, it felt like it is his actual name. I think so. And I, I think someone they had a linguist actually were uh, if I recall a Reddit thread correctly, I thought that they had a ling- linguist in Ireland that was working on this project. So this probably all means mm. something. I, I, I'm kind of curious to, to find out what. Yeah. Um, also, we get a good look at the location and it almost appears extra galactic itself. Like this is it reminds me of the shot of like in Star Wars where or Empire Strikes Back, where the rebel fleet is rallying outside the galactic plane. 
um, because you just get the full shot of like the disc and and the the heart of the galaxy and all that kind of stuff in the background. Hmm. Um, yeah, I don't know. Did you get that kind of like that we might be extra galactic or slightly like this is this is just at the very outer rim of the the the, the galaxy. No, I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention to the background here. I was more focused on what Hugo yeah. was doing. Yeah. And then again, I guess that is like that we are in the outer rim of the galaxy. So yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's just that's just where they're at. Mm-hmm. All right. We go to the maiden where Dimmerzel sets up the conditions of Brother Day's spiral walk. There are no artificial devices allowed, including protective auras or nanobots. And also, if you fall uh, to one knee, you're good. If you can get back up, if you fall to two knees or more. I don't know what kind of aliens take this walk. <laughs> You're done and you either crawl back ashamed and and properly chastised by the gods or you die. Well, you just lay down and die. The three knees. We're talking Lee Pace. This isn't uh, John Hamm here. Come on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, so and apparently the the center of the spiral, there is a cave with a pool. Um, which is supposed to give you a blessing uh, of a vision. And this is called the mother's womb. The Zephyrs will interpret that vision once you make it back. And, you know, Empire is very skeptical of like the spiritual side of this, but he's very adamant. I will do this. There is no failing here. Um, and then he takes Dimmerzel's salt as a token of her support. Unwilling. Like, I mean, she yeah, was very she distressed at him breaking her rosary salt and uh, mm-hmm. uh, taking off for it. And it's, it's, a, it's a power play. It's definitely um, uh, it, a lot of this is a power. This is as much the struggle versus uh, for, you know, the heart of Dimmerzel, such as it is, as it is, you know, the struggle for the hearts of three trillion people. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was well done. Like, you know, they talk about the stakes. They talk about you can't have your aura and then they show a pilgrim jostling him, bumping into him like first time he's probably ever been jostled. And then yeah. it's like, you know, you're going to be subject to injury and exhaustion as they're, you know, as he's getting punctured, removing the nanobots. And he's like, oh, that hurts. Um, I, I thought, uh, yeah. And the whole one need to like I said, this stuff is cool. Like mm-hmm. uh, finding out about alien customs and religions, I think I think it's super neat. And day the whole time pretending to be a commoner with this old man who's walking with him. Um, sort of, you know, making shit up as he goes. I like this because it kind of foreshadows the stuff that's going to happen later with the the um, what is it? Birth root? Was that? Was that what yeah. it was called? Birth root. I think it's called birth root. Yeah. Um. Yeah. With him, like, sort of picking up on context clues and using that to weave into his story. Right. Um, yeah. I like that stuff. Did, let me ask you this. Because when I first I, I, I thought about this, do you think it's unrealistic for this old man not to recognize the Empire? I do. I do. But I'm I'm giving them that. <laughs> OK, because I was thinking about it because like I'm thinking like is the Empire in like a backwater manufactorium plant? Is he as famous as like Joe Biden or in America or is he famous like. Pre- president Z G in China is famous to me because I recognize if, if I saw sure. a president and you know the, the, the president premier whatever China I'd recognize mm-hmm. him right I'd recognize him on TV if he walked in a suit with a with an entourage through Cincinnati airport I'd be like oh my god it's president Xi mm-hmm. if I saw him just like chilling 
like if I'm eating a funnel cake on Main Street of Kings Island mm-hmm. and I'm just sitting there eating my funnel cake and he's sitting there in flip flops and cargo pants and like a, a Beast 45th anniversary thing and a visor and he's just chilling eating. I don't know that I'd be like, eh, that's fucking G. I, I, that's fucking G. It, yeah. In the in the different context and stuff, I I don't know. Like I feel like there's enough benefit of the doubt that maybe everyone wouldn't recognize, especially in the beginning where he's like had pressed in, he's all swaddled up and all that kind of stuff. I I, I don't know. That's how I thought. It's like if, yeah. if the pre- if 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 especially when you look at the coinage, it's not like he's got a recognizably visage. Visage, and True. usually when we see big statues of him, it's an idolized version of him. That's not like exactly recognizable portrait or maybe they show him you know i think this is uh this is like a, f- a late 40s early 50s day like maybe all of the coinage and stuff has him as a newly minted 30 year old i i just felt like yeah i i guess i talked myself into it <laughs> sure okay yeah i i guess i could be talked into it as well uh you know those statues we've seen on trantor we haven't necessarily seen them anywhere else um right. so yeah maybe people aren't as familiar with what yeah, a stripped down version of the emperor would look like without his blue armor and without his arms out in a Christ-like right. worshiping pose. I mean, I don't know how many of those Winnie, Winnie the Pooh specials I saw before I realized that's actually G and those two as well. <laughs> like, you know, if, in, in, out of the context, you, you don't right. you don't recognize yeah. a person with a honeypot in your hand. Yeah, you just. Yeah. When he's half same. naked just with a shirt on. It's it's it's, it's <laughs> tough to pick him out. Boy. Wonder how many people are going to get that reference. Uh, the number's not zero, Jim. It's not zero. Yeah. Uh, the, the other thing that's interesting here is no nanobots, no protective aura. The one thing they don't say that I assume must also be true is no feed transmission over to his clone in the vat. God, that's interesting. Like, it, is there just a how blank space in the memory? Yeah, I don't I don't know. Like, uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Um, in fact, that's such a good question. I might write it, transfer it to my Goyer document for the next interview because, <laughs> OK, yeah, I, I, it, it might be. But but like, if that's something intrinsic to the guy's brain or built way in there, like, aha, how do you remove that? Yeah, they just like, maybe yeah, it's part of the nanites. No problem. Maybe it's part of, that's part of the nanites duty is it, it makes like a whole fucking integrated system in his body. Yeah, just so, yeah. into his optics and whatnot. That is interesting. And also there's a lot of um, there's a lot of elements of the truth, like the guys like, you know, this is the first time I've ever been off world. I've never could afford. And and the empire is like truthfully saying me, too. Mm -hmm. I've never been in a hyper because he's never set foot off Trantor. True. Uh, I thought all that stuff where he's just using a little bit of the truth uh to you know to 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 bond with this guy it uh mm-hmm. it shows in it shows the it shows the kind of innate politician uh that we don't always get to see uh in the empire yeah i, I do appreciate when he busts out some of those skills cuz boy when he's sitting on his throne and just casting down judgment from a place of supreme power it's mm-hmm. not quite as interesting um as right. when he's forced to kind of roll around sure uh, okay, Harry explains the purpose of the second foundation to Gale, and she decides she wants out, and so she tries to muscle open a door, but Harry denies it. Explain more about the second foundation, that like the first one is going to be a lightning rod. It's there to get all the criticism and to bear yeah. the brunt of any reprisals from the Empire or you know the barbarian kingdoms, all that kind of stuff. The second is to be kept secret, even from the first foundation. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So again, we don't know exactly what its purpose, but it seems like uh, it's uh, it's the answer to who watches the watchers. Well, you have a watcher watcher. Uh, okay. Uh, don't ask little, me how deep those levels yeah, go. Yeah, but, <laughs> but yeah, there's there's at least a first a first level answer here. Um, that's that's going to be interesting going forward because I th- this is not in the first book. I know they get to it later. Second mm-hmm. foundation stuff. So I'm mm-hmm. excited to see what the second foundation is like. Um, yeah. If we ever get there, I don't I don't know what Gail Gail's role going forward in that is, or if Harry survives this trip to Helicon and becomes the second foundation himself as some kind of digital, uh, you know, digital martyr, uh, who's alive. I I don't know. There's also a lot of, uh, this episode is really steeped on religious references, you know, like, uh, uh, what the empire does feels like, uh, you know, being tested by God. There's, there's a lot of religious symbolism in there. And I thought Mm -hmm. when Harry asks, when Gail's in, uh, frustrated and she wants to get get off of this crazy train, she he says, you know, well, where will you go? And it reminded me of um, the disciple, uh, the apostles rhetorically asking Jesus when he's like, well, if you know, you don't essentially if you don't, you don't like my teachings, hit the hit the bricks, man. And they're like, well, where 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 would we go to? Who else has got the truth? Like it, it felt like <laughs> kind of him begging that begging that question. Um yeah. You know, it's like, well, if it, where, where are you going to go, Gail? Come on. You, you know the truth and you know this is where the truth lies. Where are you going to you're going to go back to Synax? That kind of I thought that was interesting. Yeah, it is. All right. Day's v- vision begins to blur. He falls to one knee, but he's able to get back up with the help of the old man. True, true facts. True facts. Yeah. We'll talk more about this here in a second. Uh, but let's go to Invictus right now. We've got 29 minutes until the next jump. Salvor knows that Rowan has a kid and tries to use that to sort of pick around the edges of his uh, revengeful fervor, I guess. Um, Another scientist is killed by a gun guarding the bridge. Farrah forces Salvor to draw its fire so she can destroy it. And then Salvor opens the door to the bridge. There happens to be a gun sitting right there on the floor in front of her. So she grabs it. She starts shooting at Farrah. And then Lewis and her both jump through the door and close it behind him. So now they're on the bridge alone. Yeah, um, this is kind of it's kind of neat. Like there's there's a mystery, you know, like uh, there's the ghost ship. You're it's already mysterious. You get to the bridge. There's an automated gun platform defending it. They intuit that there must have been some mutiny that the, the bridge had locked itself in there. And the crew is trying like, you know, what the hell is is going on? I thought that fair had a little moment of awesome where, you know, uh, she gets the 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 peg the automated railgun with her arrow, mm-hmm. and Salver says, "You know, lucky shot." She's like, "You're the one that uses luck. I, yeah. I, uh, uh, I depend on skill." I thought that was pretty as she's striding forward with her bow. I thought that was pretty badass. Uh huh. Oh yeah, she's badass uh, for sure. I just don't know that I care for her motivations. <laughs> no, no, I she's a monster. Them. It's just cool. she's a monster. Yeah. But uh, I can she she comes by she comes by her monstrosity. Honestly, you know, uh, what happened to her and her planet was equally monstrous. I like seeing some of the tech that they're using, too. They've got these tiny drones, right? These flat like. I don't even know how to describe them, but they they fly around like it drones, looks like a skull, like a like like a gold skull key from the old Doom key or the, the oh, old wow. Doom game. I thought that was uh, the design of it looked uh Especially, especially in an episode that features human skulls prominently. I thought that was an mm-hmm. interesting element. Yeah, kind of cool. Uh, and so we go to the bridge where the scene on the bridge is grim. 
and they're not quite sure what happened. But Lewis kind of figures out how this jump drive worked. Um, he he realizes it involves some pretty horrific stuff, like being hardwired into the nav computers. And uh, apparently the AI is still searching for a navigator. So Salvor volunteers to jack into the computer and jump them home to Terminus. Yeah. I thought, so this answers a lot of the questions uh, uh, we had, that you still have to sleep during hyperspace. That's what these these mm-hmm. warning systems are for, is they give the crew plenty of time to wrap up their, their duties so they can get back to their cryopods and get sedated because it's still going to fuck you up, um, which is going to be interesting to see what happens to the living people who are, are not pl- you know so sedated at the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like I did you, I, I thought there was, um, the, the, the design of this bridge has to be at least somewhat inspired by the the engineers from the alien series. For sure. Yeah. Right. Like those, those caressant couches and them lying recumbent upon them. I, I thought that's like, that's, that's definitely has to be an influence in there. At least I, I thought of it or yeah, I, thought, I, I thought I saw that. And I love that. It's um, very cool looking. And, and also I feel like I could be accused cause I, I told people I don't watch these episodes before the feedback episodes. Um, but I mentioned just off just just out of wild hair, like, you know, things that Harry Seldon couldn't account for. And I mentioned an extra galactic threat. We've you got a fleet that's been steaming mm. for a billion years from another galaxy like you can't predict that. And fuck me. Here's a <laughs> here's a potentially exto galactic threat that is 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 uh, on in the heart to, or, or, or starting to encroach on the Milky Way. Uh, that was just me. That was just me ass pulling. Mm-hmm. Totally. So <laughs> that's the thing about but, screeners, uh, right? It takes all your magnificent predictions and turns them into ash in your mouth. Right, right, right. Although it does let you do sick things like call the Hugo stuff, and no one can accuse you of uh, cheating on Reddit because you know where the hell would I? Unless, unless David Goyer called me personally and told me, and he didn't, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't have wouldn't wouldn't have known that. Oh, I guess I could have just watched in this episode. Fuck, I know that's all there, ah. man. There's no way. There's no way I can get honest internet points anymore. All right, make make a prediction for the end of the season right now, because <sighs> I could have already seen it. I, I'd have to predict something from the first episode of season th- set, the two, and ironically, I haven't seen enough of season one to feel comfortable Let's do about it. that yet. All right, I'm predicting third <laughs> foundation. You've got Gale third, on Synax, oh. you've got Harry on Helicon, and Terminus survives. Oh man, I want to do the prices right thing. Four foundations. That's right. Four foundations. And the answer is 12 foundation. What? Yeah, I was going to say I I've yeah, I've got to cover if there's the only way you win is if there's if there's there's three. So mm-hmm. Yeah, four <laughs> foundations. Uh the other thing, okay, so there are a lot of cool concepts here. Um they they blend, you know, science and art here too as well, right? Science and and spirituality, human consciousness, whatever you want to call it. Um, Cause they talk about how folding space is not just a science. It's also a little game of intuition. And of mm. course, Salvor is perfectly set up for that with her intuitive powers. Um, yeah. I- I'm, I'm, I'm willing to go along with that. I just wonder like, would Harry be able to do something like that? Harry in his current form a perfect, like, well, imperfect simulation. I guess you're right because um, he didn't get fully uploaded. But let's say he had. Uh, would he be able to perform something like that as a ship's computer? Or is it something that inherently technology cannot replicate about our human brain? I don't know. That's a good question, because it, the thing is, is like in this universe, the human brain is the most complicated uh, cognitive power, mm-hmm. uh, excepting Dimmerzel. 
because humans have killed off all advanced artificial intelligence. So Although I would argue like, Harry hey, like, is now on. I guess that's true. But also he's a human consciousness like mapped into. Us, so like, what does that even mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. It's not as artificial. No, I, I don't know. And that's, that's why the, the last week's uh, official podcast had some good information about how Goyer sees this, because like, you know, I don't think uh, you know, Lewis saying it's literally like making a wish. I don't think that's necessarily true, but kind of in the mm-hmm. Heisenberg uncertainty pr- principle concept and the, yeah. concept that like if you observe you can you can know the position or velocity of an electron but not both and if you observe it it actually can change it uh, there's a right. lot of like really weird witchy shit that goes on at the subatomic level that feels you know very very random and very like you know something that you have to intuit rather than you know if uh, empirically prove and i don't like it yeah. that's the other thing is like i think if you that's the, that's certainly the layman's understanding of it. And I've I've seen enough like really heavy astrophysics people that kind of like, well, it's not exactly like that, but I don't understand the math well enough. So uh, mm-hmm. it works on a really great like pop sci uh, fashion that like, oh, yeah, it's like, you know, it's like uh, Schrodinger's cat. You know, it's it's alive or dead. And you don't even know it's, it's both. It's, it's it, it exists in a quantum super state, you know, like mm-hmm. this thing's orbiting Trantor, it's orbiting Terminus. And it's only until you open up the metaphorical box, which is. It, it works for me, like I said. In fact, I feel like I feel like this stuff works better. Like it's way better for them to just take like this black massive bundle and shove it in someone's skull yeah. and be like, "Oh yeah, it's it's finding it." Then if you try to explain it, because uh-huh. you know, it, it, yeah, it's like you said, technology is sufficiently advanced, indistinguishable, magic, all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, as far as like Star Trek, nobody looks at the transporters and go, "Fuck that!" There's no way that could work. Heisenberg's principles say it couldn't. Well, th- right. they don't go into like, here's exactly how it would work. They just say, we got the Heisenberg compensator. That That's all you need to know. We're good. Right, right. Yeah. And if you own a Star Trek technical manual like I do, uh, if you start to <laughs> well, drill down into the details, it's just all bullshit techno babble. You right. know, <laughs> yeah. it's all a loo- It's all like, uh, you know, synopsis of like, uh, you know, 300 level astrophysics stuff that doesn't really make mm-hmm. sense. But it sounds cool. If yeah, you it's redirect all the, the, the scoops and quarks, the quarks through the sure. deflector dish, you'll you'll be fine. Don't worry. Yeah, you got to use the Heisenberg compensator. Well, how does it uh-huh. compensate for the Heisenberg? It just compensates. Damn it. It's right there in the name. It compensates for the Heisenberg shit. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the other thing I really love about the scene is the horror elements, right? I mean, this is pretty horrific sight. And I, I feel like the person who made that navigator dummy must have just mm. had a hell of a time because it looks really gross. And it's just a, such a cool macabre sort of thing. And techno techno macabre. You know what? I, and I, I forgot to mention this last episode, but all these corpses reminded me so much of the corpses they found from that failed uh, Arctic expedition that I think oh, is the yeah. backbone of the terror of the first uh-huh. season of the terror with uh, Jerry Harry. True. Um, yeah. Because like, yeah, those people like they didn't rot. They just kind of like dr- uh, uh, flash froze or what do they call that? Uh, freeze dried. They just freeze dried. Yeah. So like their skin is perfectly preserved but kind of like shrunk and desiccated, like, like mm-hmm. mu- mummified in air. And like yeah. all the corpses kind of had that look to them. And I thought that was, cause yeah, that's probably exactly what would happen if a human being were to be exposed to the vacuum of space, but no like harmful rays or radiation. It just, you know, it, it can't rot. It can't do anything. So I thought that was really cool. I bet this, these things stink to high heaven after a few <laughs> hours of atmosphere though. 
Holy shit. Yeah, probably. Uh, so we go back to Terminus, where the Anacreons are running things. And Salvor's mother tells Lieutenant Freestone about the vault and how they have to move because its effect is expanding. She tells him, we gotta take the fence down. That seems like a big ask. Just gonna say. And, and, and the Lieutenant laughing at her at the suggestion, I thought that was, and I'm like, well, the, the thing is, is there's a way to test this. Like, the Nacreon <laughs> want to be a dick. It's like, okay, send a couple scouts out and the guys will pass out and like, okay. We plant a stick um, and then we wait two hours. We try it again. Can you get as far? I don't far have with enough the time to do that, yet? but also, I don't know how fast it's expanding. They're also getting a lot of mileage out of that Harry Seldon statue. Like, I just like how it's always in the shot. Like, it's, it's overlooking things. Like, yeah. I, and I wonder if there is like something to that. Um, you know, Harry's keeping his eye on the situation. Could be. I mean, Harry's probably got his eye on a lot of situations. It's true. Via psycho true. history. All right, we go back to the maiden where the old man drops to one knee. Day goes back for him, but he says, nah, I'm good. He drops to the other and lays down and dies. And Day continues on. Uh, he is steps from the cave where many others have died and he almost gives up. But Diverzel's salt sees him through. And he goes in the cave and he finds the pool. And when he enters it, um, well, so, so there's like a kind of flash forward here where he is back at the luminist temple whatever it is and he tells him i saw a vision of a flower with three petals they say hey that's the birth root flower meaning uh you have been given the blessing of the three goddesses and anybody who says you don't have a soul from here on out is a sinner and there are a lot a lot of looks over at halima going see see i gotcha i fucking gotcha yeah, even the three, even the crone, the maiden, and the mother were kind of like throwing, you know, throwing shade <laughs> right. in her direction too. Um, yeah, wild. I gotta say, Lee Pace, even as human beef jerky, mm-hmm. still pretty fucking hot. Sure. What 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 a fucking it, god! Like if, if you got to ca- cast a god emperor, yeah, not not a bad not a bad job of casting. Uh, I say he should have maybe like an atlas. It, it maybe done a a round of like bulking up getting a little fat he got a little meat on his bones for this walk because yeah. boy he's got like no body fat which is not good if you're competing in like athletic competitions yeah. unless it it's isn't. A, a bodybuilding competition but he's in optimal physical condition so the, at least the doctor said that but no I uh, again the guy's just ridiculously good looking yeah um, what did you think about the human skull symbolism when I kind of thought that was it? cool like him, it's like a memento mori, the, the way he even kind of like tilts his head to match its its inclination, like sees himself like like there's a like almost a brief moment where he can see himself giving up. Yeah. Before he realizes I'm the Empire, damn it. And that doesn't happen to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like um, yeah. the stuff with this old man um, and he's, you know, trying to encourage him and, and, you know, says, what if this is what if this is just the end? I. Like there's a lot of fear in him, I think, about, you know, things ending. I, I especially as a clone dynasty, I would imagine the ending of of things might be extra fearful for them because they view themselves as an unbroken lineage. They expect to never end in a certain manner of speaking. 
especially when they don't really experience frailty and death until they start, you know, di- diminishing at the end. Um, it must be it, it, it must be hard because you're right. They si- simultaneously are eternal, but also mm-hmm. human and have a fixed lifespan. And I almost um, wonder if he's pitying this old man because he knows that he will come to an end. Right. He doesn't have the clone facility that will perpetuate him potentially forever. He's this. This could just be it. If there's no reincarnation, you're done, old man. I can't tell if it's pity or if it's envy because this guy has yeah, faith. Like he's not, he is not, uh, he's not fearful or timid no. at the end of his life, but he knows he's going to be reborn. Like this is, and, and what better place to do it than in right at the womb of the mother, you know, at the doorstep of the womb of the mother. Uh, it's uh pretty good. And that's why I said, like I was starting to think that the empire was going to no shit have, uh, some kind of spiritual awakening or something that was going to put him in the conflict, even more conflict with the, you know, like, what if you had a, a holy war in the middle of the genetic dynasty? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like he comes back converted to um, uh, Luminism and Brother Dusk is like, the fuck? And Brother Dawn's like, the fuck? Like, what? <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Decant. We're not having yeah, this yeah. dude walking around in white robes. Decant another one. Come on. I'm tired of his triple blessing bullshit. But right. it also seemed kind of obvious in retrospect. I don't know why I didn't think of this before, but like there's so much Trinity woven into this religion. It's yeah. probably why the, the genetic dynasty was ever accepted in the first place. Mm-hmm. But like it does seem, you know, a hop, skip and a jump to be like, well, you know, you had the one planet that crashed in, became three moons. And uh, yeah. you got this plant that I guess handily went extinct at thousands of years ago that's important to your religion um mm-hmm. i looked into this um the monocot thing did you did you know any of the thing about this no so in the plant kingdom there's wide there's there's a big division between the monocots and the the duocots and inside a seed every plant contains what's called an embryonic leaf that is the first green thing that generates photosynthesis and it's complete and it's a structure inside the seed. Um, monocots have one of those embryonic uh, um, leaves and a monocot always has uh, leaves and petals in quantities of three. Hmm. Like it'd be three, six, nine, something like that, but always is, is division. Um, and the duocots uh, have two of those structures. So, Again, you don't have to understand. You don't have to know any of that. I was just kind of curious to see what, but like, yeah, like the uh, the um, what do you call that? A horticulture. <laughs> the the yeah. biology of this was kind of interesting. That yeah, from this one embryonic leaf, you you get this through this triune structure. Um, just completely blows up the undifferentiated sentience uh, thing of Halima. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole whole inquiry is is uh, outlined as as heresy now. All right, let's take another quick break, and we'll be right back. We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints, except it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre, 
We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, <laughs> now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim, order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar, then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. All right, next scene is Gail still trying to jimmy the door open. She can't make it work. Um, so she smashes the the ship's, what, Ecobee Honeywell? I, I don't know, the thermostat <laughs> over here, which takes down the cooling system. Um, and apparently that's what was keeping her alive because it's very, very hot outside. Um, mm-hmm. And that kind of forces Harry to either... Watch the second foundation burn as she dies or let her go. And so he lets her go in the cryopod. And she, oh, she decides she's going back to Synax and it's going to take 138 years to get there. Yeah. Um, Time is about to reemerge as a character, it seems like. It's about to have a say in these proceedings. Uh, I, I, yeah, I thought this was great. I I love the Jared Harris's freak out as, you know, she like, it literally claws through him to get at the heat exchange system mm-hmm. and like he kind of like digitizes and disrupts and stuff. I thought that was really cool. And then yeah, it's interesting because like, I don't know that the second foundation can be saved. Like I, like I, that was an open question I have is like, what is, what's a ghost ship, uh, look like? Um, especially since, um, this, uh, the, the, the set design I thought is really cool. I pointed this out last episode, but it's really extreme, you know, hairy, literally standing in this hellish, you know, uh, bl- bathed in red light kind of thing. She's in this cool blue room. It's like a very heaven and hell illusion. Mm-hmm. Um, but the ship, did you notice, was like catching on fire. Oh, yeah. Like there was explosions and stuff. Like, I, I don't know that the ship survived. So I-, I don't know where we're at with the second foundation. The only way uh, I can imagine this continuing is if Harry can like transmit himself from the computers on the ship to computers maybe on Helicon. Is it possible that some that that is it possible that the transfer is actually inside that damn dagger hilt or something? Totally possible. They do a conspicuous shot of it right before. They certainly she fucking leaves. do. And that was like the USB flash drive that unlocked everything and made the ship go into action. I wonder it's where if Harry was in the first place, right? That's what he was uploaded into. I think is that mm-hmm. true? Because like I remember like uh, Gail grabbing one of those those discs off of his ear uh, behind his ear, but I, I wasn't sure if he transferred mm-hmm. it to the sword or or what. But like it made sense that something that had physical contact would also be the thing that reads your consciousness or something. 
Um, so like, I think if, if Harry has Harry might be in the life pod with her is what I'm saying. Gotcha. Yeah, that would make sense. Um, I certainly don't want to lose Jared Harris from the show because he's so good. Well, yeah, I don't think there's very little chance of that. And we'll see also when yeah. uh, this this vault finally opens, we'll see if uh, he's he's in possibly in there, too. But this, uh, you know, Gail, like there's a really good performance here where she's, you know, like when she finds out from Synax, like it's a 138 year journey. I think she had an idea that like maybe I can still get back and see my parents one last time because it's only been what? 30 years or 34 years like they're they're old but 138 years everyone she knows is going to be dead and there's a moment where she grieves that and i thought it was like just like hesitation yeah like and then kind of a resignation like fuck it um you know so i'm yeah i'm excited like what does synax look like is synax uh, a water world have they started to reemerge? Yeah, uh, is the second foundation going to be built by her rebuilding psycho history and working out the prime radiant stuff from that? Is there a copy of the prime radiant in that dagger? Like, yeah, that's this uh, especially when they they go with this monocot seed, you know, um, symbolism. Like, are we seeing a seed pod being being uh, released from a dying organism and it's going to replant somewhere else unexpected and unlooked for? Um also with Salver playing kind of jazz with uh, what's going on with the, uh, you know, the foundation sounds like they're going to take possession of a very powerful warship here mm-hmm. in the not so distant future. Uh, like you said, I can squint and still see how some of these things are, are going to connect, but man, the shape is really, they, they've really stretched and, and hammered it, uh, which I, like I said, I, I think the uh, assuming this can all get put back together in some kind of foundation shape, it's, it's going to be, it's going to be great. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm super excited by two things, the time jump and also the ship jump. I guess the two jumps in this. Because uh, yeah. there, there's no navigator still, right? Like she didn't make it to the chair and it interfaced with her and she controls the jump now. She's just jumping somewhere random and it could be I'm, Exo yeah. maybe? Uh, Exo Galactic? Could be. I have a theory though. We haven't got to the scene yet. I've got a, I've got a okay. theory. Awesome. Um, so let's let's talk about how emperors walk. They walk crotch first, apparently. They they are pulled along almost as if the swagger cannot be contained. Uh yeah. pace his walk in yeah. this whole episode is There's hilarious. A magnetic to me. beam affixed to the pelvis. Uh, <laughs> right. actually, yeah, you're right. Lee Pace puts on a walking clinic. He does. He puts on a like my my quads are jelly. Mm-hmm. Uh my feet are like, you know, just just razor blades has been walking Raw on razor nubs. blades. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's it's he goes through a whole walking he, he walks every way uh, which way a man can walk in this episode, but yeah. backwards. No, it's it's kind of amazing. Um, so yeah, he, uh-huh. he walks crotch first back to his ship, and he thanks Halima for inspiring him to walk the spiral, and then gives Dimrizel back her salt. God damn, this is, I so it's it's great because like it's a completely in, in, inversion of his greeting. Like you know, like Halima's there, smug, assured of her victory. No one mm-hmm. else, like browbeat, no one else into coming. And now he's got his his worshipful, jubilant thong throng of people, you know, giving him dap, giving him respect, throwing up the triple blessings. Uh, And then, like, I thought it's like, what a brilliant move by the Empire to like. In your total victory over someone, give them enough crumbs that you don't completely destroy them as a person. 
Like, hey, you hmm. get to get credit. You, you know, like, yeah, I'm now a God being, but you get to get credit for it. You're my John the Baptist. You know, hold your head up high, Halima. Interesting. I was like, That's not how I read this. <laughs> I read well, this Well, I mean, as he's like, definitely. Yeah. And, like, and when you. he forces, when, when he accepts her triple blessings and then holds up the three fingers and says triple blessings to you, I'm like, fuck yes. Mm. Oh, my God. That's such that is such an amazing stunt on her. Yeah, but he's not satisfied. He's not even he's close not satisf- to done. He's going to run up the score and it's it's unbelievable because like, I don't know. I felt like I feel like the smart play would be to lead her like leave her. But may, maybe I mean, again, uh, the, I'm overthinking the stick, but like I thought a smart play was to take that. Um, you, you, you know, she you've you've, you've permanently uh, neutered her. Like mm-hmm. she can't like make any noise without destroying the religion from within. And you also have your designated puppet put in the higher place. But now, like, you know, but I, I don't know. Maybe he knew that Halima was a true believer. There wasn't anything nakedly political in her. Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's probably right. If that's what he thinks, certainly. I, I think I, so. Yeah. I think more, more what I'm reading out of this next scene is punishment for Dimmerzel. For bowing, for for believing, for for oh Jesus, you're right. Right, yeah. this is all punishment. Forcing Halima, for, forcing Dimmerzel to go kill Halima, which is Just this next to, yeah. scene here, is is him saying like, "I am above your religion. Don't you ever fucking question anything about that again." Like, because I can literally command you to destroy this religion if I wanted to. Yeah, I'm gonna, and also I'm gonna I make your you God. like, yeah, I'm gonna make you do something profane. Uh-huh. Uh, just because I can and not yeah. because I need to because no, even Dimmerzel cool. realizes you'd won you'd won mm-hmm. you'd gotten everything there's no way this person could and he's like eh yeah you're absolutely yeah, right this is all about fucking cold uh, l- let's talk about the that scene so Dimmerzel goes to Halima to soften the blow of her loss but it turns out she, she's actually not there to do that at all she's there to kill her and she reveals during this process that she's a robot and Halima goes okay you're here to kill me um, she's okay with it though i think because of this whole reincarnation thing and then yeah Dimmerzel walks away having already poisoned her wow yep. so eleven thousand years is how yeah. long ago she walked the spiral yep that is a long long time, long time. now we know that there have only been 14 generations of cleons so mm-hmm. this is way before that it's she would like would she have been in the service of the empire or would she just I have don't been think so if, a if robot I remember, if I remember that the history is approximately ten thousand the 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 empire is approximately ten thousand years old the genetic dynasty is just four hundred years of that and they mentioned that the uh, luminance was a thirteen thousand year old religion yeah. so the religion was already ancient by the time Dimmerzel converted to it but still mm-hmm. the empire is a thousand years away. Um, intriguing. Let's put it that way. Yeah, uh, especially I when, when she these says robot the, wars happened, right? Like all that stuff. Yeah, when she says the vision that she had changed how she looked at things forever. I think that uh, is pretty incredible. And also, this is just a great scene because mm-hmm. you first have um, you think that Demerzel's there to kind of like try to salvage some face for herself. You know, like how yeah. could she support this guy and and also do the religion thing and. And, uh, you know, like, uh, and then I think I realized like three seconds before Halima did that, like, oh, she's just not walking out of this room because gotcha. the second that she said that, like, she reveals that she's a robot. I'm like, 
oh, she's going to have right? to kill her. What's this going to look like? You know? Um, yeah. And then, I see. Like, I thought she had so much faith here that she was willing to reveal that. And so I wasn't yeah. thinking, oh, she's got to kill her now. I thought this was like, yeah. y- you know, showing deference to her faith. But wow. Yeah. yeah. Sly of Goyer talking about how soulful the Asimov robots are. And then three episodes later, deploy uh, is does robots have a soul thing? But Mm -hmm. the the idea of these robots having emotions is something that is kind of hotly debated, even amongst Asimov uh, circles. Like the robots have emotions. Are they programmed to feel emotions? If you're programmed to feel emotions and you feel emotions, is that different than like, how do you experience emotions, motherfucker? Right. (laughs) You know, do you do you like decide so and and but the one thing is consistent is the robots get the most emotional when they're in a position where their laws are in conflict and yes. their drives. And like, I thought that the way that Bryn played this, where when Halima touched her for the first time, she had the biggest break in emotion because she just violated. I mean, you, she just directly caused harm to a human being. That's certainly through that's inaction. The, yeah, she could have pulled away. That's the that's a first fucking law violation that she is pursuing, probably in service of that zeroth law or the overriding be, right? Im- empire. But like you can tell that that's like I thought that was such a great touch that the emotion wasn't just from, you know, uh, just just her internal royal over. But you can, I guess, debate about how much of that is. But like all the things that like made her come to a peak of emotion is when she's hurting someone, even when she had mm-hmm. tears in her eyes of the empire. Uh, I think it's because she knew she was hurting him, you know, in like an emotional kind of sense. Yeah. I wonder, I wonder what the laws say about emotional pain, um, emotional harm. You're allowed to cause that. Um, I don't know. There's, yeah, there's so much, there's so many cool short stories that explore this kind of shit and people that also, um, yeah, there's, there's this tons of, uh, Tons of things. There's a one short story. I don't think it's written by Asimov, but it uses Asimov's laws called satisfaction guaranteed about like a robot brothel or something. Mm-hmm. And the robot, you know, always tells the humans he's that, that they're with that they're they were, you know, good looking a good because he doesn't want to hurt their feelings because he sees that as a violation of a first law. Gotcha. So like there are like I said, there's there's that's like the meat and potatoes of the robot series is like setting up these laws. And then mm-hmm. like, what are the exceptions? What are the boundary conditions? Where are the gray areas? What happens when laws inter- interfere? Um, and like the the fact that the, the the emotion was all tied up into those laws conflicting, at least that's how I interpreted it. I thought that was uh, just great. Just great. And again, yeah, what a what a performance these two had, yeah. too, because. Halima, I like. I didn't like Halima when I first met her. I thought she was going to be another one of those high stereotypes. But goddamn, she is a real. Uh, you got to admire someone that has the courage of their convictions and it seems genuine. Because her last moments on Earth were spending comforting this being that she's not even sure has a soul right. and making her okay with the, the the decisions that she doesn't have and the path that she has to walk. Like fuck, that's righteous. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think it's like. I think I understand now after this scene, why this might be Goyer's favorite scene or favorite episode because of a scene like this, because I know he, he is very fond of Laura Burns acting. Um, and, and I think this scene proves how good it is. Uh, it's a burn. I've been calling her Bryn this whole time. God damn. This dyslexia strikes again. Yeah, it's burn. Uh, I had to look it up. (laughs) So don't feel too bad. Uh, (laughs) but yeah, I, I was just really blown away by these two here. Um, the other thing this scene does is it sort of reinforces 
the loyalty to the empire in a sort of indirect way, right? Like clearly she is breaking the first law of robotics of, of harming a human, which means she must be, she must be obeying the zeroth law, which is to not, you know, through inaction or action harm humanity. So she believes that whatever she's doing with the emperor is, is important for humanity as a whole more important than the not breaking the first law. Now we don't know exactly how that manifests. We've talked about this many times, but I think like that's the secondary function of this scene is it shows us her true loyalty. There's no evil Deberzel, right? She's not going to like destroy the empire from within just because she wants to. She's whatever she's doing is acting upon the, the zeroth law of robotics here. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad it turns out we had that extended conversation about the laws of robotics on the last feedback section because I think it it is crucial to understanding the conflict and the emotion that's generated by Demerzel here. Um, yeah, and 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 understanding the, this final scene with the Empire, which have we gotten into yet, or are we about to? No, we're about to. Um, okay. Yeah, so let's first go back over to Invictus um, because it's going to jump in five minutes. And the Anacreons uh, still can't get onto the bridge. Lewis frets and worries about this jump. Salvor um, then says it's what she was meant to do. And Lewis finally appreciates her, I guess. And, and goes, goes to jack her in, but Pharaoh breaks through the bridge and shoots him in the back. And then a gunfight ensues. Despian ships show up and start attacking Invictus uh, while Farah and Salvor fight. And then the ship jumps without a navigator. And crucially, yeah. without anybody asleep i don't think the ship jumped without a navigator jim i think lewis realizing he was going to die anyway Jammed. shoved that thing in the back of his neck got up in the thing and guided the jump his I think that's brain's what's no happen. good it's nah. he's gonna jump him into the heart of a star for sure his intuition <laughs> his is brain, way off his brain his brain might not be so good might not be <laughs> some some uh salver hard but like i think to, uh, so that's what I think happened. And I think all that talk was just to in the in the audience mind, you racing to think of like, well, she's got a special mind, so she might survive the jump. This isn't like, you know, it's a main character. Like, you know, she's not going to shove this like fucking gotcha. velociraptor claw in the base of her spine and, and die. Right. Mm-hmm. But then that sets up the because the whole time it's counting down. I'm like, she's going to she's going to throw fair over this rail. So you're going to jump in the couch and she's going to get it right at the last second. And when it didn't happen. Yeah. But then I realized. Lewis was mortally wounded right by with the neural interface in hand mm-hmm. uh, right by the crash couch. I'm I would bet a, a week's pay that uh, you're going to see the corpse of Lewis uh, j- uh, jacked in and they're going to be in, in rough orbit around Terminus next episode. Nice. And it's going to be totally redeeming, totally redeeming that little shit, Lewis. Man, I'm torn because that is a very cool idea. And, and I think you're right. But also, I wanted to see it jump to the middle of nowhere, like I yeah, light I mean, honestly, years there's and no light years away. Yeah, I'm playing with house money because an uncontrolled jump. Because number one, I think it will kill every kill or madden everyone except for maybe Salver. Because yeah, you know, I am a believer in the R plus G equals S, and I think she has whatever shield, you know, mental shielding that uh, that her mom has to protect her from the the rigors and the horrors of folded space. But uh, she's going to get a whole dose of it because uh, you could already see time and space kind of sl- start to slipping around and she realized what's happening. The whole Invictus just just goes bye bye. Um, this 
might be a good time to talk about something I forgot to talk about with Gail earlier. She said she's been having these visions and these powers since she was, since she can remember. So I I think there was a little bit of like us wondering, okay, did her separation from mind and body during her travels the first time cause this power? Um, I definitely don't think that's true at this point. It's it's a thing from birth. So it makes it even more likely that this is like some genetic thing um, that, that could be passed on to Salvor if that were her kid. At best, it's like the spice in Dune where like it awakened an ability or strengthened an ability that someone already had. Sure. Um, which could be the course for Salver that like she's going to post this jump, uh, especially since she's theoretically, I, I think, going to be exposed to it much longer, you know, because Gale just kind of like broke out for a little bit and then the space just put her right back to sleep. Yeah. Uh, you know, Salver here is going to raw dog folded space. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no protection at all. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe she comes out of here changed. Cause that's the other thing. Some of the complaints about Salver Harden's character, she's so different from the books, you know? Um, yeah. Terminus is different from the books. Terminus is this mm-hmm. dusty border town that's struggling to make its way. Salver's is unsure, you know, doesn't feel like she's a leader type thing. Well, because this is, I, if I got my math right, this is like 15, 20 years before we get to Terminus in the books, uh, and, and meet Salver. So, like, yeah. This is her origin story. So this might be a transformative experience. So like, it, it's not going to funny, you know, it's like she, clearly she had this from the beginning, but it might strengthen it or it might awaken something. Um, yeah. It might give her more insight into who she is and, and her real purpose, um, which I think are all good things. Really cool. I mean, this is, you know, basic uh, hero's journey stuff, but uh, there's a reason it's a monomyth, right? Sure. Yeah. It's, it works. Uh, so, so here's one other problem I have with this episode, and these are all minor gripes, obviously the Hugo thing, of course, now this scene where they, everything I've ever seen does this when they don't want to kill a character that they want around, but they want to create drama and tension. Salvor has a a dead shot on Farah. She could easily just put two in her chest, put one in her head, whatever. Farah's looking the other way. Instead, Salvor shoots her gun out of her hand. And then, when Farah comes charging at her, Salvor tries to shoot her in the face to kill her, because mm-hmm. that's obviously the goal here. Mm-hmm. But she, her gun misfires or jams or whatever. It, I don't know why you do this. I don't know why shows do this. I know why they do it, but stop doing it. Just either Salvor's don't... A good- yeah. She's a coded as a good a good person, uh, a little bit of a naive person. The whole time she's she could have killed Ferris so many times so far, and she hasn't because she wants to redeem her. No, um, come on, she's already seen in her heart. She knows she's irredeemable, right? She says that this episode <sighs> to her her second in command. I don't know. I feel like making peace with these uh, these outer reach planets is going to be pretty important and not murdering their grand huntress might be a keystone to that uh that plan i yeah you're right i mean it's it is it is pretty tropey then you can't uh, try and take the kill shot when she charges at you either so yeah you can't have it both ways that's that's what i'm saying that's in true self-defense you get to drop on someone you can disarm them you should but then yeah yeah i think self-defense came into play a long time ago but okay uh, yeah sometimes the best self-defense is a good off self-offense right oh self-offense sounds like you're turning a gun on yourself uh yeah anyway whatever you shoot the person yeah you shoot him uh i might be a sucker here but 
I quite appreciated the moment where Lewis says, you're something, Salvor. I wish I'd seen it earlier. I, it's is, a, it's is, a moment, and I fucking hate Lewis. He's, ugh. He's probably my I'm most saying. hated character, but yeah, he gets an emotion out of me there. And, and they, and this isn't like a complete turn from fa- from heel to face because last episode, like he didn't want to do it and he was scared. But when they, everyone took their opportunity to fight to to, to make a stand, wasn't particularly good at it. But Lewis was game. He tried. He tried to be the warrior. Mm-hmm. And here, I think this is like you're you're supposed to understand it, it's uh, it'll, it'll it'll be a moment. Like I I don't know if he's going to be like dead. Uh, I'll let's assume that my theory is right. I don't know if he's going to be like dead and like smoking, like just like burnt up of this process in the couch or if he'll be like dying and her and him and Salvor can have a final moment. But either way, I think it'll work because in the end, you know, you got to. Uh, however, Lewis dies mm-hmm. is going to be uh, fairly heroic, you know, yeah. based on where he started from. And again, he was never in. He was he's thrust in this position. He was never intended to be the leader of the foundation. True. Like he wasn't up. He was literally not up to the task, mm-hmm. uh, but he he's fucking tried. So. All right, uh, second to last scene here. I think this is the one you want to talk about. Before, Demerzel tells Day that Halim is dead, and she points out that she had a birth root flower preserved in her room, and what a coincidence it is that his genuine, his true vision contained one as well. And, you know, if he hadn't have had that vision, what a sad, empty husk of a human he would be. Yeah, I, w- I, I don't know how you do it, because, like, the... The only thing would have roped me more into the empire having an authentic religious experience if he wasn't so damn hungry for information about the vision, because they kind of set up the fact that he was afraid that he wouldn't have one and he needed some inside information. Um, but yeah, like, what does it mean? Like, is mag is is this spiritual stuff kind of sort of real, or? what is the deal? Um, like, cause if you drink it, like, uh, I, cause I always try to approach things from a r- rational perspective, right? You know, like, well, there's some kind of weird sure. electrolytes, some kind of special quality of this water. Uh, and then it can induce a spiritual state or it's just, you know, like a fact that person comes here after such a grueling experience, you know, like a, I, I, um, you can get hallucinations by ingesting certain mushrooms or certain chemicals but also there's it's pretty well attested that like you can sufficiently train your mind through meditation and other types of things to induce these states so who's to say you get to this thing after this grueling experience and and uh you know between the the weird substance in the water and your emotional and physical uh, mental trauma and exhaustion you don't have a fucking vision what does it mean that a robot does and empire doesn't that mm-hmm. implies something spiritual, though. Hmm. Yeah, I hadn't considered it. Hmm. Or maybe you have to be open to it, and he just wasn't, but like... Yeah. And th- there's... Um... <laughs> I do wonder what Derizel looked like at the end of that thing. Like, imagine there's an old man walking beside her, and she just, like, strides by him at, at full <laughs> speed, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> old man's like sorry about damn, your two knees some... old man yeah right. <laughs> wow yeah uh that would look pretty so she probably faked it she probably was like oh i'm all wobbly Ooh. oh yeah yeah engage <laughs> engage a wobbly thigh routine mm-hmm. uh yeah who knows who knows uh but yeah you're you're on to something here about robots and humans and souls uh, in fact yeah i don't know if this worked on you 
But when the Empire, when they're netting him up and getting him ready for the cryo sleep, and if Smash jumped back to him being alone in a cave looking vulnerable, for a moment, I thought everything we'd seen was his vision of him being oh. a shit and him killing Halima <laughs> and Dimmerzel being disappointed in him and saying he has no soul. And that, hmm. that was going to... But no, it was just him remembering back in the cave, he felt nothing. He did But cold yet. and alone and empty. And yeah. these words of Demerzel saying, I... And it's like, it's just so passive-aggressive, but it's, it's, it's great because it's a robot who is trying to find through all of her conflicting loyalties to the Empire, loyalties to her laws, her own personal feelings about the religion, trying to find something she can say. And she, she gets uh, this, like, I... I'm glad you had your vision and I hope it gives you strength because I can't imagine how mm-hmm. empty and lonely it would be not to have one. And, and strikes that fucking, a nerve. Yeah. Yeah. Because of the relationship he has with Dimmerzel, um, this might be like unique amongst all the Cleon Dimmerzel interactions that he feels this betrayed and wounded and vice versa. Like it felt, it mm-hmm. felt momentous and something it's hard to tell because this, you know, we're only seeing these single things, but it felt, it felt like a moment, like a, a new kind of moment to me. Uh, I got a new kind of moment for you. Oh yeah, yeah, and and we got to get out of here soon. But I had to talk about this. Uh, the the new moment is seeing the creepy space spacers walk toward him. I guarantee, Rule Thirty Four kicked in. There there are people hammering away at at laptops and desktops across the globe here right now, trying to create spacer porn for sure. You wouldn't. I mean, they're what? What about their graceful, slender, gazelle-like necks? Do you not uh-huh. find attractive, Jim? I mean, I mean, they're walking sure. crotch first, just like Lee Pace. It's, it's it's certainly an off-menu choice, but uh-huh. uh, if the chef offered it, I'd be like, ah, you know, I'll take a taste. Uh, I'll, I'll take a roll with a spacer. Sure, why not? Why not? <laughs> yeah, as we speak, that's being made. Can, so look for that. They can handle folding space and time. They can handle all my space time folds. I'm, I'm sure <laughs> oh, nothing's going to nothing's going to horror. Nothing in the geometry of my body will horrify them. Genetically modified to handle it. <laughs> this unique stresses mm-hmm. uh, of the wild Aaron. Um, that's it. Yeah. That's no. Thank you for that that vignette. Uh, and that's mm-hmm. it. That is. That is it for episode. I, I did enjoy it. I am looking forward to the episode 10 Mindfuck. Um, yeah. Which I wonder if that's going to be. Now I'm like, what does that mean? Is it going to be 138 years? What Synax Cynic, looks like? Are we going to, you Dude. know, it's going to be a post credit scene of her, like after like all, all the crazy shit that happens with the Invictus and all this stuff, like, or, you know, like we've almost forgotten about Gale. And uh, yeah, what I'm I'm curious because I thought I thought this episode lived up to the hype. Yeah. So, um, sure. I don't know. We'll have to, it's going to be tough watching a, just a fucking regular, normal, no one excited for episode nine of a foundation next week. But then <laughs> if we get back to the anticipated, no, I, I can't wait to see where, what they do with this next week. They're so like this, this plot is blown so wide open. Um, are they going to collapse it back into a shape that's kind of recognizable, uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the season or, or what I'm, I'm very curious. I hope you guys are too. Don't forget foundation at baldmove.com is where you send feedback. We'll have a feedback episode out Tuesday for your consideration. Uh, but yeah, thanks for everybody's listening and rating, reviewing and sharing. We'll see you next week. Until then, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jim. See ya.